0: Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. I'm Alex Wilshire, the deputy managing partner of SNC's Criminal Defense and Investigations Group. With me today is my partner, Ashley O'Shea, who is also a member of the firm's uh, CD group. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Alex. Today, Ashley and I will be talking about changes that the U.S. Department of Justice's Criminal Division announced yesterday to its guidance on the evaluation of corporate compliance programs. The Criminal Division initially issued the guidance in April of 2019. The guidance is intended to provide to Criminal Division attorneys instructions about the factors they should consider in evaluating corporate compliance programs when deciding whether to pursue criminal charges against the company. That also includes when those prosecutors are considering whether to impose a monitor and any associated monetary penalties. Yesterday, the DOJ updated that guidance document. Today, Ashling and I will talk about three things. First, we'll identify the key changes to the guidance. Second, we'll unpack what the department may be attempting to achieve or to encourage with these changes. And third, we'll talk about the types of things that legal, compliance, and other professionals at companies can be thinking about in light of the points of emphasis in the new guidance. Ashling, let's start with the big picture. How do you assess the significance of the additions to the guidance?
1: So I would say the updates aren't radical and don't materially change either the structure or the content of the guidance, but there are a number of important updates to be aware of. First, if you look even at the introductory language, there is new language that makes it clear that part of the individualized determination that DOJ will make in each case considers a number of factors, including a company's size, industry, geographic footprint, regulatory landscape, and then there's a catch-all of other factors, both internal and external, to the company's operations that might impact a company's compliance program. And I think now that we're still very much in the throes of the global pandemic, it is important to see the DOJ noting that there are factors external to a company's operations that could have a significant impact on the operation of a compliance program. I think it's also good that DOJ is acknowledging that the differences in company sizes and circumstances should relate to how prosecutors maintain expectations of a company's compliance program. To the extent that there is an overall thematic focus of the changes, and I think not all of the changes fall within this focus, but I would say that the focus is on evolution and continuous improvement, as well as testing how program elements actually work in practice.
0: Thanks. Sticking with that theme of themes, here's another question for you, Ashling. Last December in 2019, the then Deputy Assistant Attorney General made the following public statement. He said, quote, it is a legitimate concern from the white collar bar and in particular the corporate community that a compliance program will be evaluated with perfect 2020 hindsight with an eye on the misconduct and then thinking that the compliance program didn't work. That's not the standard. We want the companies to invest in remedial compliance measures and to talk about how far they've come based on the lessons learned. That is an important message from senior DOJ leadership. Do you see any of the new additions to the guidance seem to be following along with that theme he articulated?
1: I think they very much do, Alex. So, for example, there is an emphasis on understanding and instructing prosecutors to try to develop an understanding of why a company has chosen to set up its compliance program the way it has and why and how a company's compliance program has evolved over time, again, going back to the theme of evolution as well as the specific recognition that non-U.S. regulatory requirements can impact the way a compliance program is structured, which I think is the latest in a series of changes to DOJ policy that attempts to address various potential conflicts in the law, along with the, for example, updates to the Yates memo made in 2018, that recognized that companies could still get cooperation credit, even where foreign law forbade them from providing certain relevant information to the DOJ. So I think in this increasingly globalized enforcement world, it is nice to see the DOJ recognizing foreign law considerations and hear that there may be non-U.S. regulatory requirements driving elements of compliance programs that may be inconsistent with the expectations a U.S. audience would otherwise have.
0: Another theme in common uh, that I noticed between the, the December 2019 speech and yesterday's revised guidance is an emphasis by the department on what they call lessons learned. The authors of the guidance seem to think that that concept is significant enough that they mention it in two different parts of the guidance. In the first section of the analysis that prosecutors are supposed to do, uh, which the department calls, is the corporation's compliance program well designed? And then they also come back to the concept of lessons learned in the third section of the analysis, which asks, does the corporation's compliance program work in practice? Uh, so, Ashley, what do you make of that emphasis from the department on this concept of lessons learned?
1: So, it was one of the elements that I found most interesting about the updated guidance, and I think it's something that people in the industry are very conscious of. So its presence now almost highlights its absence before, but the revised guidance asks, does the company have a process for tracking and incorporating into its periodic risk assessment lessons learned either from the company's own prior issues, or from those of other companies operating in the same industry and or geographical region. So with respect to internal lessons learned, the department seems to be placing an emphasis on a company being able to respond and remediate when issues are identified in its existing compliance program. This is a recognition that issues inevitably will come up, and that companies should be judged for how they learn from them and how they incorporate those lessons into their compliance programs going forward.
0: Well, that seems to be an encouraging sign. You know, I'm I'm sure that both of us have had matters where the prosecutor has been able to point to some discrete company policy that ultimately wasn't followed to the T or point to some area in which a company's existing policies or employee trainings didn't address the precise issue that later became a focal point of the department's investigation. So with this concept of lessons learned, do you think the guidance now is, is almost an explicit recognition by the leadership of the department that as long as the company otherwise can demonstrate that it has a compliance program and that it takes compliance seriously, that certain deficiencies or gaps in the program are not going to be sufficient for a prosecutor to bring a criminal case?
1: I think the department has repeatedly said that no compliance program is perfect and perfection is not what's expected, so that is very reassuring. I think we have to remember that this document is specifically structured as a way of evaluating a company's pre-existing compliance program and its remediation and present state compliance program, which are factors that bear on whether a corporate criminal case is brought, but are only two of the factors prosecutors consider in deciding whether or not to bring a case. So I think it's critically important to the evaluation of compliance programs, but falls short of providing any kind of compliance, defense, or guarantee.
0: So sticking with the concept of lessons learned, the language you quoted earlier from the guidance talked about both lessons learned from internal events, but then also lessons learned from external things. And on the latter point, specifically, the guidance indicates that the department is asking whether the company, quote, has a process for tracking and incorporating into its periodic risk assessments lessons learned from the issues of other companies operating in the same industry and or geographical region. So, Ashton, what do you think the department is getting at with this language? Or maybe to ask it another way, do you think the department thinks it's sufficient for a company to satisfy this inquiry if, in the case where there's another company in the industry that that had some regulatory problem, that the first company provides some internal bulletin or, or training to its employees about how the second company found its way into trouble? So
1: to take that in a couple parts, I think the department is trying to say That you should be incorporating not only lessons from your company's own history, but also what may seem to be relevant lessons from companies operating in the same space, be it in the same industry, the same geographical region, or both. So, for example, if there's a corporate criminal resolution with a company in your industry doing business in the same high-risk geography, you ought to take a look at it. And I think it's clear that the increased level of detail in corporate criminal resolutions over the years, as well as in a number of regulatory resolutions, demonstrates that the department and regulators want these types of cases to provide clear messages to companies that are facing the same risks. There are very detailed statements of facts accompanying almost all corporate criminal resolutions now, as well as statements about companies' cooperation, remediation, historic compliance programs, etc. And I think it's not just about training and in internally publicizing these actions, although I think that is a very important point to consider, but also using them to try to identify potentially relevant risks or gaps in a company's compliance program. I think a number of large companies do this already as a matter of course, but tracking every global enforcement action may be way too tall in order for a smaller company, which is why I think flexibility and compliance program design is so important, and obviously the closer the other set of circumstances to a particular company's business considerations, the closer aligned in industry and geography and company size, the closer a look companies ought to take at other resolutions.
0: Ashley, before we wrap up today, can you quickly say a word about some of uh, the other areas that were subjects to change in the revised guidance?
1: Sure. Just quickly to tick down a list. There has been, as I mentioned at the beginning, an increase focused on testing and the practical application of programs, including access and actual usage. For example, how are policies and procedures made accessible and how often are they actually accessed? If you're conducting a training, Is there an opportunity for people to ask questions if they have them? How are whistleblower hotlines used? Tracking cases and testing cases to try to determine whether people in the company are aware of and actually use their hotlines. I think another point on the theme of evolution is in the third-party evaluation section of the guidance. It mentions conducting risk management over the life of a relationship and not just initial due diligence. So again, evolution and continuous improvement. Also some updates on the M&A side, if there has been no pre-acquisition due diligence, why hasn't there been, as well as an increased focus on integration of compliance programs. And then finally, one interesting point is review of investigations and internal discipline to try to ensure consistency across cases, which I found to be very interesting.
0: Well, thanks, Ashley, for that overview. It, it certainly sounds like there's a fair amount here uh, in both the revisions to the guidance and in the guidance itself. So with that, I'll say thank you to the listeners for joining us today. And, and for those who are interested, you can find additional information about DOJ's updated guidance on the evaluation of corporate compliance programs in a memo, and that can be found at www.solcrom.com Thanks for joining us. Thank mm-hmm. you.